Many women were there looking on. They saw the whole thing. They had been with Jesus the whole time. They started out with him in Galilee, ministering to him on the way, having taken over that job from the angels who had ministered to him in the wilderness. After having been witness to his life, of traveling, teaching, healing, barrier-breaking. Today, they are witnesses to his horrible death. The beating, the mocking, the spitting, the nailing, the bleeding, the dying. Two of them, Mary Magdalene and one of the other Marys, were witnesses to his burial as well. They saw everything. Women, of course, didn't count as witnesses, not even two of them, according to the custom of that time and place, as if they couldn't be trusted to tell the cold, hard truth, to stick to the facts. And so apparently nobody paid them any mind as they followed, watching, abiding with Jesus when all the others had deserted him. Watching from afar, watching from across the street, perhaps even sitting on the wall of the garden. The men, Joseph, Pilate, the leaders of the temple, went about their business and then soldiers came to guard the tomb. But the Marys had already been watching over in their silent witness. They're like the Greek chorus in the ancient plays, just off stage, but who see and interpret the main events, except that here they are on mute, as it were. Silent. Silenced. We do not hear what we ought to hear. Shrieking, wailing, crying out about injustice, crying out as the prophets cried out, violence, violence, violence. If this were a scene in a movie, we would see the action and we would hear music playing. Barbara's adagio for strings, perhaps, but no dialogue. We'd see the women watching silently. We'd see Joseph approach Pilate, see Pilate nod or wave his hand. We'd see Joseph wrapping the body of Jesus in clean white linen. We'd see the tomb and the stone. We'd see Joseph walk away. <coughs> we'd see the women still sitting on the wall across the pathway, watching it all. The actual dialogue would only begin with the sharp voices of the Pharisees and the chief priests complaining to Pilate. When that imposter was alive, he said he would be raised after three days. Order a guard to stay at the tomb so his disciples don't steal his body and then claim he was raised. And Pilate will growl, see to it. 
Only the voices of those who wish to control the spin are heard. They believe they can control the message. They are sure that the other side is up to no good. Oh, the irony. They believe that they must be the official witnesses. They will stick to their facts and sway everyone to see that imposter for what he was. He deserved it, they will say, from their offices and their homes and their club meetings. Nowhere do we hear voices crying out, violence, violence. Instead, we hear calculated name-calling, plot-hatching, spinning, efforts to create, to discredit Jesus, the one who welcomed all, who healed, who broke down barriers and refused to observe the social codes that entrenched into outcast status people who were poor, people of the wrong gender or age, people with illnesses, both physical and mental, people who were voiceless and powerless, held hostage to their bodies, their minds, their gender, their social standing, their accidents of birth. And those men think that they can put him in the tomb and seal it up and put a guard around it and control the message. But the women are watching. They see it all. And through their witness, we see it all as well. This is not necessarily about gender. There are always people who don't count and people who do count. There are always people who are cut down when they mess with the status quo, when they threaten the power structure, when they champion people that the powerful want to keep pushed aside. There are always people who use their power to try to control the message and use smear tactics and lies to appeal to our lower instincts and skew the story by playing on our fears. But women and children are often the witnesses to violence, and they are often silenced through intimidation, or simply they're dismissed. They may even cry violence, but does anyone hear them? Does anyone believe them, believe anyone who dares to speak out against what the powerful have decreed to be the truth? Whose eyes see what happens to the people who die on our streets every day in our city? Is it nothing to us who pass them by? Who watches over the bodies of those who have no one to speak for them? 
to cry violence as they are shoved to the margins, discounted and blamed for their own misfortunes. Who ministers to them while they arrange their cardboard boxes under the interstate and succumb to the cold, the heat, starvation, addiction? Who follows behind them as they run from their abusers and stand on the side of the road hating themselves for things that others do to them? while tears of shame and despair stream down their faces. Who abides with them while they die? Who sees to giving them a decent burial? Who cries out violence while the powerful control the message, issuing their opinions from their offices, and their homes, and their clubs. And so now Jesus is buried, and we offer up our lament. The fact that we know how it's going to turn out doesn't lessen the need for grief. Grief for what we do to each other. Grief for the soul-crushing that hatred and killing does to both the victim and the perpetrator. That kills some and hardens others and frightens us away from naming violence for what it is. Grief for all who suffer in this life and for those who cause the suffering and for those who cannot bear to look, and for those who will not face their own complicity. Let us grieve and lament and be gathered with Jesus into the tomb. Perpetrator, victim, and bystander together, for it is from that darkness that salvation will rise.